Johnson, tell me more about this investigation of yours. My name is Mr. Taylor. I'm a U.S. Marshal sent here to discover the crimes committed by Tom Hooper when he made cats. That microphone isn't loaded, by the way. It's all a show. It's a mere prop. Greg, you must understand this now. We, here on the clinical intervention team, have determined that this delusion must be resolved now. You are a podcaster. You are a host of Movies for Win podcast. Mr. Taylor is made up. You have a wife, Leah, and you can't confront this horrible truth that you watched Cats for this podcast. It is an unacceptable reality to you, so you've created a compatible delusion. Now, we must resolve this now or drastic measures will be undertaken. I know what you do here. I know what you freaks do. You lobotomize people by making them watch The Fanatic. I know how this works. I'm up to your games. Yes, yes, yes. We've heard The Fanatic before. I know this story quite well at this point, Mr. Johnson. But perhaps we should bring in your partner, Anton, to see his take on this so-called reality of yours. Ah... <sighs> And scene. Scene. Anton is a dog for those who are new to Movies for Win podcast. He can't talk and I can't do a Boston accent. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, Sorry. welcome to the Movies for Win episode for when you want thrills, not chills. We are kicking off spooky season with something that's just a little spooky. Honestly, these movies are probably more intense than anything we've got lined up for Spooky Season. Um, we really got no right kidding. into it, even though it wasn't... I wouldn't call any of these movies spooky, you know, but they, 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 they were a good jumping-off point for us. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm... This was the perfect transition into Spooky Season because, you know, we got some thrills. I would call one of these, like, a survival horror, and you know what? As we've displayed in the intro here, the surprise we teased last week, our new song for Spooky Season. Woo! You guys you guys heard it. It gave me chills and thrills. John Wasson is unstoppable. He's done it again. I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he's done it again. It's incredible. Uh, I love the music here. Spooky Season is off to a great start, and we haven't even started yet so. right this is this is like Hell the yeah. preamble to spooky season right you know like this is the prologue so to speak yeah exactly um so yeah welcome everybody these are the thrills you're not quite ready for chills it is still september but we want to start getting in the mood the weather's starting to turn maybe some leaves are starting to fall 
And boy, howdy. It's time to get a little bit spooky, but not too much. Spooky! You know what's really spooky, Greg? If you want to be a real ghoul this spooky season, there's nothing spookier than subscribing to the Movies for Win Patreon! For $3 a month, we just recorded our Sound of Metal episode. You'll get the full Patreon catalog when you subscribe. Uh, Patreon.com slash Movies for Win. It's easy to find. It's a simple URL. If you have Paramount Plus, don't try to rationalize that that is somehow a better use of your money than subscribing to the Movies for Win podcast. Cancel Paramount Plus and sub us. That's our new rhyme. That's our new rhyme. I I do appreciate the sentiment. The only problem is Paramount Plus features two of the three movies we're discussing this week. You don't see me subscribing uh, to it. I, I paid for right. them on Amazon Prime like an American, damn it. <laughs> Joke's on you, I have Blu-rays. So, nice. <laughs> physical media trumps uh, dumb subscription services. Always, so, speaking except of the movies in every we're doing way that week. matters, but I love physical media. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sorry, speaking of, uh, speaking of what? Speaking of the movies we're doing this week, we have got Denny's pick for Thrills Not Chills. He picks Strangers on a Train. Ooh, Hell yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. I selected the what I call the perfect thriller, Green Room. Yeah. yeah. Not from Alfred Hitchcock. And uh, you, the audience, good job, everybody. You picked Shutter Island, which honestly I didn't think we were going to... I didn't think it was going to win, but I'm I pleasantly sure surprised that it did. Seven was a layup. You know, like I, to the point that I was like, why even do the poll? They're going to vote for Seven. I was, I still, maybe something a little more off the beaten path than Shutter Island, but great pick, as always, audience. We are one with the people, and you have spoken for what you want. We just never have any idea what that is. So. (laughs) Well, I think I just need to manage my expectations and be like, hey, Denny, the weird fucking movies that no one's ever heard of are not going to win the poll. (laughs) <laughs> you know? like just make those my pick from now on it's gonna be popular movies that people know about <laughs> i just need to adjust my expectations i think that's right all right what are we doing first here buddy um i believe we decided on starting with shutter island the audience pick correct amundo yes all right <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say uh, I'll, I'll, do you want me to summarize it i can summarize my it. turn to talk well i'll uh, say uh, i will just mention briefly that shutter island is a 2010 film that you can watch on the uh, recently unsubscribed paramount plus you can't watch it because you don't have a subscription anymore because you're subbing movies for win baby that's right baby <laughs> patreon patreon.com slash movies for win fuck paramount uh, plus <laughs> it's a pretty sweet amazon rental man this is a good one um I'll summarize it for us if we if Please. that's good with you. Shutter Island is a Martin Scorsese picture starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Hey, that's happened a few times. How about that? Mm-hmm. It is about a U.S. marshal sent to an island off the coast of Massachusetts to investigate the escape of a patient at a mental institution that houses the criminally insane this is where the worst of the worst go this is where people are you know so psychotic they've murdered families with no remorse they've killed people and they just act act out violently so they get sent to shutter island where they 
are hopefully getting some kind of treatment. The main doctor on this island has an idea that if we treat mental patients with respect, maybe we can actually get some results here and change them for the better, rehabilitate, not just medicate or lobotomize. Uh, as the investigation goes on, Leonardo DiCaprio is... He's playing Teddy Daniels? Right? Uh, yeah, I believe Daniels was his T- name. Yeah. Teddy Daniels, he's discovering more and more about the island, the ongoings, the goings-on, maybe. And it's also revealed that a slight connection he has here is the person who was responsible for the death of his wife is actually a patient here on Shutter Island. He's partnered up with uh, Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo, good old Chuck. They're both U.S. Marshals just uh, trouncing around this island trying to figure out who's telling the truth, what's really going on in this crazy place. Uh, But come to find out, is Leonardo DiCaprio's Teddy going a little bit crazy himself? Are they giving him medication? Are they trying to keep him here against his will? Who's really responsible for the death of his wife? All this and more on Shutter Island. <laughs> Greg, what is your relationship with Shutter Island? Um, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did watch it a few times in college, like pretty soon after it had come out. Like still in 2010, I had watched it a few times. Um, my roommate and good friend Jordan, his wife, who is also one of my good friends, she was a uh, film major when we were going to school together, and I think she wrote like some papers about this one, actually, and she was just infatuated with this movie, so we watched it more than a few times. I thought it was really cool, really good, very, it's in- extremely interesting. I haven't seen it in maybe 10 years. Oh, wow. I I remember a lot about it, and then watching it again... Um. Yeah, it it holds up absolutely. I think it's a really cool movie. I'm glad to have finally watched it again. Thanks, audience, for voting Yay. for Shutter Island. You did it. I uh, I only saw it once before. It was on my movie list probably two or three years ago. I don't remember when. Um, this is my second time watching it. I I have I had very weird reactions on a first and a second pass. Honestly, that I'm that I'm looking to to chop up and discuss a little bit um it's 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 one of those movies where the twist is so significant that re-watching it is almost like seeing it for the first time um and it's it's just so it was and it was such a weird experience for me on a second pass i'm, I'm excited to get into that a little bit yeah i guess you realize there's a little bit more for, foreshadowing that you had than you had kind of expected yes you, you see the way people behave and <laughs> during the whole movie and you're like oh yeah okay they they were they were uh spilling the beans without us realizing it for sure yeah why i think your beans? sorry that was the lighthouse <laughs> <laughs> different lighthouse movie uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um i guess i'll start out by telling people what the twist is if they haven't seen it yeah I guess skip to the next movie. This is a very cool movie to like watch unfold. I don't think it's that incredibly hard to really figure out what the twist is going to be, though, as you watch it. Um, I wouldn't call this one ahead of its time. 
in that regard so if you knew a twist was coming this is probably what you would guess but i don't know that you yeah. would know a twist was coming right yeah because a guy like scorsese isn't really doing movies like this he yes. hasn't before and he hasn't really since so yeah um he didn't so, get a case of the Shyamalans, so to speak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if there was a beach that made you old uh that is Scorsese pitching old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, we've discovered that Teddy Daniels isn't a real person. Um, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's character is somebody that actually murdered his own wife because she drowned all of their children in a lake behind their house. And she actually set fire to their apartment. He, this whole plot, this whole narrative is an experiment by the psychiatrists on staff here, all the doctors here, basically doing a massive role play with inpatients, with um, doctors, with security, with the warden. Everybody's in on trying to create the illusion that okay the imagined reality that you've been telling us about is true we're all going to role play it together and drive you to this big climax of realizing that you are actually guilty of a crime and this horrible trauma has happened in your life and you are refusing to accept it so we have to show it to you in such an unbelievably brutal manner for you to finally accept it and move on <laughs> And if you don't, we're going to stick an ice pick in your eye hole and (laughs) scrape scrape some nerves around. I'm just going to start poking stuff in there until you calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it turns out there is no missing woman. He's he was a U.S. Marshal, but he's actually a prison or sorry, a patient here on Shutter Island. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What do you think as a as a therapist, Denny? <laughs> what do you think of this approach? This is set in 1954. <laughs> so, well, you know, as I often say, whenever a therapist shows up in a movie, I'm I immediately think my profession's about to get set back 20 years and uh this was definitely one of those occasions. Um I will say, however, like up until like the 1980s you could like walk into a hospital and be like hello i know about brains and they'd be like oh knows about brains we should probably listen to him no credentials doesn't matter no credentials really exist um Eh. so it's a thought i've had recently where i've i felt like resentment for people from older generations for not working on and resolving their their trauma and their mental health shit but the more i think about it the more i'm like where the fuck were they supposed to go (laughs) like if they got over the societal stigma of being a loony they would have gone and gotten some like really bad interventions that probably wouldn't have helped them and so while i do think there is an overrepresentation of this kind of shitty ass bonkers made up therapy in the media this is kind of what it was like at the time you know like it's not it's not the way it is anymore but uh i don't think anyone would have attempted something this elaborate but the spirit of it was like all right 
If we can't make up some weird thing, pull something out of our ass that makes them better, we will have to slice their brain. <laughs> you know? like, mm-hmm. That was the zeitgeist, man. So I don't know that I would say this movie was unfair to 1950s therapy, uh, but I would certainly hope it wouldn't uh, stigmatize current therapy for someone who's in need of help. <laughs> yeah, setting this in the modern times would have been a bad decision. Yeah. So <laughs> they don't. We don't. We don't do this anymore. We're done with Freud, guys. We're done. We're all done. It's over. Freud is over. <laughs> you can go home now. It's over. <laughs> go home. The era of Sigmund Freud's dominance is over, said Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah we've moved I don't, on I don't... mindfulness sorry <laughs> more therapy humor you know me i i'll let you get in all the jokes you want man uh yeah this one's i don't really have a lot of notes on it outside of like the filmmaking itself like i think it's an incredibly interesting story that's just like it's incredibly immersive and i feel like everything is sold by the filmmaking but it's also like a really cool story and i don't know i'm emotionally connected to our protagonist by all means and i think the movie does a good job of kind of letting you have a little seed of doubt that maybe things aren't actually the way that they are explained yeah kind of leaves you feeling like maybe he was actually investigated investigating something maybe he is being gaslit into uh being told he's a patient at this mental hospital or something well they get you going down the wrong trail of conspiracy which i think is great they get you thinking that because he's asking questions about the facility they're going to try to trap him there right like that's that's his theory at the time and the whole movie you can tell something is off you know like they they did a really Mm a really good job of just creating that like you said that seed of doubt or that just general uneasiness where like you can't figure out why but you feel like they're hiding something right like and you just can't Mm -hmm. quite put your finger on it that's pretty pretty consistent throughout the movie yeah there there are several like fantastic like minor performances in this movie i think dicaprio does an amazing job stellar but like John Carroll Lynch, who is one of my favorite actors, who was in Zodiac. Uh, he plays like the vice warden or whatever it's called. He the like gives them guy? the initial. No, not the violence guy. That's the main warden. Like the guy, the the guy under him that gives him like the opening tour. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's A ward, B ward, and C ward is an old Civil War fort. I love that guy so much. The and then Ben Kingsley should be like. He's like, he's giving a lot of exposition, but because it's him, like I don't care. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind if if it's him delivering exposition. I'm more than willing to accept it. I think he's fantastic in this movie as the doctor, kind of in charge of all this stuff that's going on. This this movie needed a lot of exposition because even with a lot of it, it was still two and a half hours. <laughs> like the, yes. you you had to just have a character explain some shit at a certain point. Might as well have him be British and interesting. Yep. <laughs> um, I, d- I do like, you know, the depth that we get to know DiCaprio's character, Daniels, or I guess Latest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talks about 
the only thing he really seems to talk about is he, he'll like briefly mention his wife and then he'll say, oh, I met this guy back in Boston and then here's how it was coming over here on the boat. He talks about, he t speaks mainly about like the very recent past, but all that we're shown like in flashbacks are his time in the service, like in World War II. He is one of the American soldiers that finds the uh, death camp in Dachau and they talk about oh my god uh just the horrors of the holocaust definitely gave him some initial trauma mm -hmm. and that kind of drives to his alcoholism we're we're finding about the true nature of his character not the more recent stuff that he's kind of more conversing with mark ruffalo's character sure. about which really is accurate to of you know to go back to past generations traumas um they were traumatized in World War One and World War Two, pretty much just like people were traumatized in Vietnam. But like governments intentionally stopped research on trauma recovery um, because it reflected poorly on the military that all these people were severely mentally mm -hmm. ill because of <laughs> serving their country. Um, and then by Vietnam, it was just so prevalent that it was unignorable. But I mean, like that is a really common story of a former soldier who is now like an alcoholic rageaholic and just trying to be a normal guy in the 50s but feeling like an absolute alien you know like because he's just seen so much horrendous shit and his brain is permanently rewired and you just bring him back home and say like all right go raise your kids enjoy mm -hmm. right <laughs> so he's like, like not without a lot of whiskey yeah. he says <laughs> it's compounding trauma yeah. like one trauma and self-treatment of that leads to another instance of trauma and man he's just double dipping in mental hell yeah i mean and that's, i really i really feel for him that's the path man because life is kind of traumatizing like i think trauma is one of the most normal things that could happen to a person and when you haven't dealt with all your shit life will keep going you know <laughs> like and you will be confronted with more hard shit hopefully not as hard as uh mr latest was confronted with you know but like you will mm -hmm. experience another traumatic event over the course of your life and if you're not prepared for it if you're still living in past trauma at a certain point it's just going to break you right like what else could possibly happen yeah and i think it does break him here yes it's several well, in a f more than a few ways i i could be broken over a lot less than what latest went through <laughs> you know like i could it would take a lot less than that to fully break me i think yeah man um so i guess at this point people already know everything either they've seen it or we've blown the ending completely yeah um do you have any theories like about the ending and kind of what's really going on there I mean, because I, I I have final thoughts on what I think is really going on, and I'm curious to see if you had any. What I th I mean, like I didn't really view it as I, I would love to hear your thoughts because it didn't strike me as something that's open to interpretation. I think what's happened is that was their last pass, and they're about to go give him a lobotomy. You know, <laughs> like that's that's the end of the movie. They're done. Uh, everyone's kind of throwing in the towel and saying goodbye. What are uh, what are your theories? nice um i i don't know i just feel like 
like I talked about that seed of doubt earlier, uh-huh. right? Where it's just like maybe I don't think he's still like a U.S. marshal that's being trapped here and experimented on, and you know, captured for asking too many questions. I don't think that that's what's going on. But I that last conversation with Mark Ruffalo, I think he really is cured, cured in a sense, in that he's not like creating a narrative in his mind of what's really going on and like a false reality that he's you know assigning roles to but doesn't he still think that ruffalo's his partner at that point in their last conversation he says i can't remember the line exactly but he says this island's got me thinking would i rather um continue to live as a monster or die as a good man and I think he's my my take on that is he's basically like it it worked like the treatment cured him like it worked he's now fully accepting what's happened but because it's too much for him he would rather be lobotomized out of it than continue to like continue to acknowledge that reality he's like is (laughs) They fixed him, and he didn't want to be fixed, Shit. right? So that's, that's kind of how that level, scene. Man. That's how that scene read to me, um, and it doesn't say that explicitly. They close on that final shot of the lighthouse, which you know was rumored to be where the lobotomies took place. Which you know we go through the whole thing. We know that's not the case, but man, we we we, we see the tools at the end. We know it's going to happen to him, and I think that's what he wants. He would rather be lobotomized than be cured. I'm using air quotes here. Cured and, you know, accept and acknowledge the violence and trauma of his recent past. Man, you're kind of shattering my entire universe because I just took it completely at face value. But now I subscribe to your theory. I like that ending and I choose to interpret it that way. That he's still kind of faking psychosis so they will lobotomize him. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's good. Because he he goes so willingly. Yeah. He knows what to say. He's got to sound like a broken record just a little bit, just to tell him it didn't work. And then he's just like, "All right, strap me down and poke poke my brains." Oh man. Which is Ooh. also extremely sad. <laughs> you just gave me a new level of appreciation for this movie. <laughs> Holy shit! And if. And if it's not that, then I would love to hear about why it's not that. Um, but yeah. I got nothing. That, that's, I got no rebuttal, man. Love that. That's what I came away with. Love that. Um, that's, that's I guess, my big thing. Um, everything else I have is really just, like, filmmaking praise because I think this is an incredibly well-shot, well-acted, uh, <laughs> well, well-made movie in every sense um it's just scorsese doing his thing i guess yeah. i don't really have like some specifics about like swift camera movements slow camera movements like pointing to different areas in the camera like whipping over here yeah. it's just we feel there we feel the tension mm-hmm. um that we're trying to sell here so 
that immersion you're talking about, man, I feel like set design was what made that so immersive for me. Like, it just... It felt like such a real space with so much intricate detail. And, uh, man, those scenes where they're going down the the C ward, uh, I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Uh, <laughs> they should have said, <laughs> you have to get rid of the C ward. <laughs> um, but, um, man, just those wet, dripping bricks and those long, long catacombs, man. Woo! Woo! What a vibe. Yeah. And then, like even uh even the offices that we got to go into you know like it's just like god they're mm-hmm. just so alive it's so full like people are living there man the offices and even like when we go to the death camp in deco like it feels cold and it just feel you just feel this aura of death there yeah like they didn't take that lightly at all oh my god i i am immersed in every single set like you were saying so I didn't even think to praise set design as much as I wanted, as I probably should have. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. No, I was enamored with it. Like, I, I think we have different cinematic eyes. Like, I don't tend to notice score and cinematography unless they're either really, really good or really, really bad. And I feel like they, they mm-hmm. speak to you naturally. Um, I always notice the sets, man. I always notice sets and lighting. I'm like, oh, when they're, when they're I, good, they're just... Oh. Yeah, I I think that's definitely the case and that's why I need to talk to you about <laughs> movies like this. And I guess you need to talk to me also. But I. yeah, it, it's it's what I talk about when I talk it's what I mean when I talk about visual identity and if when we talk about directors I think this is our first Scorsese movie. Shit. I think you're right. On which here. is yeah. crazy. Wait, he did a uh, uh King of Comedy. Oh, did, uh King of Comedy. King yeah, of comedy. we did that. Yeah. Yeah, like just the visual identity he has, and it's just like you could take a still image from any point in this movie, and I feel like you could just tell, like, oh, oh yeah. this is a Scorsese movie. Yeah, it's just like visual identity is such a hard thing to really nail down, but you know when you're watching a David Fincher movie, a Martin Scorsese picture, Denny Villeneuve or a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, and like I love trying to figure out why I feel the way I feel when. I'm just looking at a certain scene from a director that's revered or that I love in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I give enough credit to set design for that. Um, but something that you mentioned, I think is something we both do love to talk about, which is lighting. Yeah. I talked about it like an Ikaru, like a lot. I, I thought it was brilliant there, but like in this movie in particular, like the harsh, harsh lighting it's like almost tarantino spotlight yeah kind of lighting but it's made to communicate like his descent into a little bit of madness his withdrawals from Mm -hmm. his um treatment drugs and like succumbing to migraines like that bright bright spotlight yeah lighting so many of the scenes as the movie goes on is fucking awesome well and it's funny you'd compare him to tarantino um because this actually reminded me of another director we're covering on this episode. I thought this movie Ooh. was very Hitchcock-esque um, in its plot, in its cinematography, in its lighting, in its sets, especially if you've seen any of Hitchcock's color films, um, those scenes in the cliffs, I was like, this is the exact kind of thing that Hitchcock liked to do when he had Technicolor on his side. You know, like this was, mm-hmm. the, I, I just, I, I felt like it was almost an ode to Hitchcock by, by Scorsese. 
Dude, that's incredible. And I, I can like, yeah, knowing his filmography, I like guarantee that it was. Yeah. So if you think like that's awesome, Vertigo or North by Northwest, uh, compare it to the cliff shots of like DiCaprio dangling and climbing around and stuff like that. Like uh, very, mm-hmm. very Hitchcock. Um, I wanted to discuss my dichotomous viewing experiences and get your and get your thoughts because mm-hmm. I've seen this movie twice. And I had very different experiences both times. Um, the first time I watched it, I, like, loved it. And then I thought that the twist was a little bit too bonkers. I thought it was a little contrived and out of left field and kind of took the movie down a couple notches for me. I didn't hate it, but I did think it was very inorganic. This time, knowing the twist... It seemed less contrived to me. It seemed to flow more naturally. I could see what they were doing building up to it. And it also didn't just catch me completely off guard. Because um, I never predict movie endings. Uh, I don't even No, try, me neither. You know, like, um, but, but then the problem was... <laughs> I kind of didn't like watching it a second time. Because I knew that the whole plot was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it's a long movie. You know? <laughs> like, it was like... <laughs> it was much harder for me to get through because i was like none of this fucking matters none of it like everything that happens in this movie none of it's important <laughs> so yeah. i don't know what, what what are your thoughts on uh, uh you've watched it like a million times have rewatches changed it for you like am i just a crazy person you tell me oh i can't tell you you're crazy that's ben kingsley's job all oh, right um i i don't i don't know I I feel like my rewatches were more like trying to gather clues, really understand like the his dive into insanity, make maybe look for holes in the treatment, right? Yeah. Like that whole scene with the cliff where he finds the doctor in the cave. Something about that feels too real to be a delusion. Mm. Right? Like something about that feels off, like maybe that really happened. Um, but then we find out the doctor, even her name is completely made up. Like, I'm not really sure what to believe, but like, yeah, I think this is more of an interesting look where I get to really analyze stuff. And that, that, that's still really fun for me because, you know, when DiCaprio first gets to the island, all of the guards are like on edge and like clutching their rifles and like, just really seem on edge. And he like points it out. And you're just like, oh, they're on edge because this experiment with you has just started. And they're not sure if you're going to be violent right now. And they kind of ease into it a little bit more. But, like, that initial reaction from, like, every guard on duty just being like, is this guy going to fucking snap right now? Like, I've got my rifle ready. Oh, man. It's, It's just cool. I don't... There's... I don't think it's perfect in the sense that everything is explicitly explained or conveyed or like written off yeah within a certain amount of reason i don't think every single issue or um what's the word i'm looking for grievance Um, perhaps yeah, something's not addressed. Every uh, delusion. Sorry, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Every every delusion isn't specifically addressed, mm-hmm. and I think that could create problems. But I kind of tend to think that that might be intentional, just to be like, 
Maybe there's a little hole here. Should we explore, or should we just leave that for the audience to kind of have that seed of doubt like I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think, like, it does a really good job of conveying, like, if you've ever talked to someone who has an actual delusion, um, how very real it is to them to the point that they will, like, withdraw from you if you push on that delusion at all. Um, mm. That's just their reality, and... Uh, and I think you saw that in Latus a lot, especially, you know, that, that's how I would explain how real that cave scene felt, you know? Um, yeah. But then that would imply, you know, hallucination instead of just delusion, which is, you know, a symptom we didn't really see throughout the entire movie, right? Yeah. I feel like if he's coming off his meds, he shouldn't be hallucinating this much, right? Depends on the meds, but... I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I... <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't specialize in psychosis, so I really only know the basics of it. Um, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right. Uh, you ready to... Gimmick it up? Get, get into some gimmicks here, Danny? Yep. Our gimmick of the week this week is, since in the spirit of the theme, all thrills, no chills... Uh, this is the no chill moment of the movie open to interpretation what that means greg what was your what was your moment where the movie just had no chill i liked that they tried to get the psychiatric patients in on the thing there was the the lady that murdered her husband with an axe and she tells an orderly like more than halfway through like i don't it's in the background it's kind of a clue she's like i don't remember what i'm supposed to remember yeah but like anytime dicaprio's talking to them they're just like i don't want to go back to the normal world yeah. like that seems chaotic to me there's bombs that can reduce cities to ashes why would we want to go out there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that felt like no chill kind of really quick character development for me so that's mine cool what say you well i'm gonna give it to director martin scorsese for making a two and a half hour movie with an entirely fake plot um that mm. was a no chill move if i ever saw one i've got to give it to uh does he have a nickname uh, carpenter's the boss marty i don't know <laughs> i gotta give it to old marty on this uh marty mcfly <laughs> at making movies <laughs> bruce springsteen john carpenter oh, speaking of Speaking of Marty McFly, I hated when he fucking showed Mark Ruffalo the note in the pouring rain, yes. just like Back to the Future Part 2. Just like inks running, like, here's my important notes yeah. while it's even, raining. Like, put an arm over it or a hat or something. Like, come on. Lean over it. Just, no, just hold it out in the pouring rain so all your entire notebook gets ruined. <laughs> fucking stupid. Drives me nuts. Just like a... Just like a uh, note from Doc from the 19th century. <laughs> Drives uh, me nuts. <laughs> Drives me nuts to 88 miles an hour. Uh, Denny, <laughs> what's your favorite line from Shutter Island? Um, I'm going to give a runner-up to a thousand plants with thorns as big as my dick because I wasn't sure if it was a humble brag or a self-owned, depending on the size of the thorns. Um, I've never really seen thorns that impressively large, personally. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with... sure. If I was to sink my teeth into your eye right now, would you be able to stop me before I blinded you? Give it a try. 
that's the spirit. Um, I, I love that whole nice. "Can my violence conquer your violence?" monologue. Uh, that was that whole that whole exchange God, was, was so good. God gave us violence. God, it was so fucking cool. Uh, the specific one you just mentioned, I I I wanted to give that as a runner-up. I really liked that nice. one. Um, my runner-up is a clue left by the girl that we're trying to find for this investigation who is 67 mm. fucked if i know and then ben kingsley our esteemed psychiatrist saying i have to say that's quite close to my cl clinical conclusion mm. that was a but good uh my that. my favorite line gets changed up a little bit as we go but the real line is why are you all wet baby <laughs> shit man that was we didn't even talk about that scene or all the dead kids i avoided watching this movie all week until yesterday just because i was like i kept asking myself am i in the mood to see dead children and the answer was always no no matter what i asked <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do it for the pod man oh why are you all gotta do baby? it for the pod that was a great line man Oh, that, that's haunting. Oh, fuck. What's, uh, what's a Critiker score, Greg? Uh, well, I think this is just an incredibly solid movie. It's just like I don't really have any... <laughs> I don't really have any negatives to say about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple things are left a little bit too ambiguous, but overall I think this is a very well-shot, well-made, well-acted uh, movie with maybe a slightly predictable twist if you're looking for one but that didn't, again i'm too dumb to yeah think about these kind not, of things, not so. an issue for me and greg guys <laughs> not not an issue <laughs> we're not thinking very far ahead it's the vanessa uh, of the world you have to look out for with that one <laughs> exactly uh i gave this one a 34 out of 40 very nice um i raised my score this time around from a 39 to a 42 i think on a second watch I, I had a higher appreciation for it and i thought it flowed a lot better and that's despite super not being in the mood for dead children you know <laughs> like i i was not a happy camper sitting down to watch this long ass movie on a saturday morning that our audience voted for i was super not in the mood and uh, I, I wouldn't even call myself immersed or en engaged particularly while i was watching it it felt more like a chore that <laughs> i was just not i've been going through some shit audience um and i just this was a hard week of movies for me but uh man i just yeah. it's so good that even that couldn't stop me from like appreciating it more than i did the first time around because i was really i was really not sure how i felt about it after the first watch i was like i could tell it was well made but from a story perspective what the fuck you know <laughs> like, um but this 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 made the twist feel a little more earned and uh, it just didn't strike me as as abrasive um and so left field you know strangers on a train we were only strangers on a train seamless on an edit <laughs> we were only seamless editing yeah that's a seamless edit folks we're back with alfred hitchcock's strangers on a train greg is this available to us anywhere uh stranger things on a train i'm pretty sure it's only gonna be an amazon rental i couldn't find it anywhere was it did you find it anywhere else i i did a, a little 
purchase i think it's it's amazon uh amazon rentals only uh uh my my roku was convinced that i was trying to search for stranger things though i'll tell you that much <laughs> like it was like no 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 we know what you're really looking for <laughs> the word stranger exists in no other media besides stranger things not the strangers not strangers on a train oh if only if only the roku knew if only the Roku knew the relationship I have with Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll summarize the movie real quick. Um, They're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Roku, stop listening to me right now. <laughs> it's okay. rude. Um, Strangers on a train. Uh, there is a tennis player named Guy who meets up with a rich sociopath named Bruno on a train. Uh, Bruno has the idea for a perfect murder two strangers meet by happenstance they both want someone killed they have no connection to each other's lives they both agree to kill the other person's victim um guy is like you're a weirdo stop talking to me um and bruno goes and kills his wife <laughs> who he was trying to divorce <laughs> who ran around on him <laughs> and then comes to him and says uh now you have to kill my dad so i can get his money as uh, his, his inheritance um we agreed right buddy right he's gaslighting him and saying he'll now he has to do it otherwise he'll go to the cops and say that they planned it together and the cops will never believe him um and then he just keeps start he starts stalking guy um as he tries to go about his life normally the police obviously think he's a suspect in his wife's murder and they're tailing him and watching him um bruno seems to have awakened the the psychopath germ in him by by his first strangulation uh and uh now he seems to have obsessive thoughts about strangling blonde women in glasses um he starts really mm -hmm. freaking everybody the fuck out uh in this high society world um there's a long extended tennis game um and then they get in a fight <laughs> on a carousel um <laughs> <laughs> where uh bruno was going to plant guy's lighter at the scene of the crime therefore uh making it look like guy did it um the police see the whole thing go down bruno had the lighter in his hand our hero is exonerated and a real carousel is really destroyed you might wonder how did they do it they fucked up a carousel that's how they did it uh, <laughs> so that's that's pretty much strangers on a train um greg do you have any sort of relationship with this movie prior to this watch sure don't um yeah this is a movie that came out in 1951 so this is before my parents were even born it's old yes that's all i'll say um yeah i i i do like hitchcock movies i love the hitchcock movies we've been indirectly covering on this show the one you like had to watch the... so you could watch psycho 2 <laughs> exactly yeah like i i think there's you know just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad like when we were talking about frankenstein mm -hmm. during last spooky season like they can still have some legitimate horror or in this case kind of thrilling uh gripping storytelling and it's just i don't know i i watched this one for the first time the other day and i think it's incredible it's it's a really good movie and just because it's old doesn't mean it can't really grab a modern audience that's willing yes. to give it some attention i mean I, and i think that's because a well-told story is timeless you know like that, that's just yeah absolutely 
just the way it is. Uh, this one was on uh, mine and Vanessa's list a couple of years ago, uh, much like Shutter Island. I don't remember when, but that's why I first saw it. Loved it then, love it now. Uh, we try to put at least one Hitchcock movie on our list every year, uh, just because we, nice. we both love Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and he made a lot of movies, so we're still working through them. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, you, you got a lot of years to yep. really tap that well. So This year oh, it's yeah. The Man Who Knew Too Much. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I don't want to know too much about it. <laughs> um, maybe you could... I guess you've watched a lot of Hitchcock movies at this point. Because uh, I have a When you a consider how many that. movies he's made, uh, I don't know. It's a, I've, I've seen, I've seen the, the bread and butter, but there's still, okay. there's still a lot to see. So he's done a handful. Yeah. Um, that was a director cameo in this one right yeah he he almost always has one he may always have i was one, I, don't know. I was gonna ask if he if that was something he normally did yeah um i i was like it, it's so funny just like this guy that in 1951 looked old as dirt yeah. it's just like no no i recognize that man very easily and he's you know loading up his cello onto the train i'm like i think that's him yep and he carries such a like he's alfred fucking hitchcock with him that you like kind of get chills when you see him on the screen right ah that's where the chills come hey from. but we didn't that's want part chills of the thrills this week. we specifically said thrills not chills mr hitchcock well i was thrilled to see him i was so too that's that i was thrilled um um he seems to like hit, hands. Hit, yeah. <laughs> hit me with a note. I think, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Alfred Hitchcock Go <laughs> likes hands like Tarantino likes feet. There's a lot of hand shots in this movie. Um, you know, I, I have uh, on my Halloween playlist, um, Hitchcock has an album called Music to be Murdered by. Um, mm -hmm. It's really good where every song is just like, it's like a classic movie instrumental, but it has like an Alfred Hitchcock voiceover before it. Um, where he just really fetishizes and glorifies the act of murder like it's an art form. Um, and I think Strangers on a Train is probably his work where I, I saw that side of him the most, where, like, like Bruno almost has this, like, sexual attraction to strangling people. The way they mix the sexuality with the violence, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love his show. <laughs> enough about <laughs> crime scene scene of the crime uh, <laughs> yeah i guess i didn't realize his like fascination with hands and like maybe not i wouldn't call it fetishizing murder but just like he seems like he's really wanting to visually communicate how murder feels mm -hmm. in a way and i think he's got expert camera movement in this movie like yes. in Ikaru, i was i was which i guess came out like a year yeah it was a year after this one um i was praising the framing of that movie how everything just fits so perfectly i think this movie has a lot more substance in terms of like camera movement like the framing is also very good but like it feel the camera feels alive when it needs to yeah. and especially during these unfortunate scenes of murder of course like it just sells this tension that you know he's he's just famous for his tension yes. and i think the camera movement goes a long way there 
I mean, when I was in film school and we were learning cinematography, I remember my textbook was just always citing Hitchcock as an example. Um, it, like mm-hmm. he invented shots, man. Like he he was he was a <laughs> legend at moving the camera, like absolute legend. And then you mix that high key lighting with with his camera work, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, it's amazing. Like it's oh the 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 light coming in from the windows at night the shadows on the wall the whole time they're at the carnival i could i could do that all day man oh yeah especially the carnival which you do kind of have to take your back take yourself back 70 years to understand that a woman is actually charmed by a strange man following her <laughs> i don't think they um, ever were i think that was a thing I that was happened like, in movies only <laughs> I was about to say, like, even then, I don't think that that would have been <laughs> played for charm. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and I think, you know... <laughs> Just, like, you're made to feel like something's off there, even though the the character is just like, ooh, attention. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that character, Bruno, and, you know, the, the borderline fetishization of murder that we've talked about... I think that's the thing, is it's like, if you're normal, like, uh, if you're a normal person, like our good friend Leo DiCaprio apparently was before the war, murder will traumatize you. But if you're a psychopath, it will, you know, like, I I, I love watching serial killer documentaries, because when I watch stuff on, like, John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer... I'm amazed that I think such a big part of their motive was wanting to have fun. You know, like when you're an absolute sociopath, the thrill of killing someone seems to be one of the most fun things that you can experience. Um, and I think we, we watch Bruno go from just kind of a abrasive weirdo to someone who truly seems to have a sickness you know like a, a like mm-hmm. he's drawn to repeat the murder um and that that again that that whole scene where he's stalking her at the carnival it just feels almost sexual to me um it just feels so uh, uh there's like a a sick romance to how his character seems to be motivated yeah I would describe it as romantic before I would describe it as sexual. There we go. Maybe that's a better term. Yeah. 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 It, it is very romanticized. And I think you were talking about, you know, he's suddenly pained by the sight of a blonde woman with glasses. Yeah. I, I think he's like, he's pretty fucked up. I think in his family life, he's, you know, obviously driven to some sort of psychotic break where he's just like not connecting with humanity at all just lacking in empathy but i don't think he's gone full serial killer where he's just like infatuated with murder like i think he is infatuated with the idea of it until he does it yeah and then like the sight of a woman with glasses is making him just kind of like uh repressed back into this feeling and he that he doesn't understand which might be empathy Mm. he's like repulsed by being empathetic to his first murder victim so i, I, never I think it's an it empathy go on though i'm interested this is all coming to me now uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just like he's 
he's coming to terms with what he's done and he's just like you know serial killers weren't really a thing back then and, and if they were they weren't in the public eye they weren't romanticized they weren't fetishized or whatever but he's just got this notion in his head with his very closeted upbringing of just like I could get away with murder mm -hmm. and I've got this little little loophole to figure out how to do it that makes murder cool but then he actually does it and he I just that life just isn't for him oh really Cause I guess I saw it as like I saw it as like Tommy Jarvis caught the Jason Voorhees germ you know like I saw it as like it awakened something in him um, that he he I f wanted more of it is kind of how I saw it. I felt <clears throat> like the opposite, where it's just like he realized the re the gravity of what it actually was and wasn't really all about it, but was into in so deep that he just you know had to continue. You might be right. Um, that, I, that's never how in, I interpreted in it. In terms of action, I guess because he is very adamant about his father's murder he's like okay i did my part and i think i don't know it's so interesting bruno is just such a creep man yes. <laughs> like, i don't know how old he is <laughs> he um, could be anywhere between 10 years old and 40 <laughs> exactly like mentally where is he physically where is he chronologically where is he mm -hmm. i don't know but it's just I don't know, I'll have to watch it again and, you know, maybe get a little more commentary on it from Hitchcock himself or just, like, maybe a little read up a little bit more on it. But, yeah, my my kind of interpretation was just, like, the act of murder itself really affected him in a way that he was not expecting. Yeah. And I think it was more of... He, he still wants to be about that life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's it actually traumatized him sort of in a way i'm interested that we had such different takeaways i really am yeah and and i feel like both of us landing on complete opposite ends of the field here are still coming away really enjoying this movie oh absolutely so. and i mean I and appreciating it it's a mark of a great movie that uh as neil breen once told us a movie can have multiple <laughs> meanings <laughs> you know um now I want to watch it together. <laughs> I want to watch it together with with uh, with you and and see see what cases we can build for our perspectives. Because he never seemed to have some kind of like moral awakening where he asked, "What have I done?" Like he was still committed to this like sociopathic manipulative plan. I feel like he wasn't given the space to. Mm. That's my kind of thing. Because he's he just I don't know. Mom just encourages him, and Dad just berates him. Yeah, he's he's a he's kind of a letdown kind of a fuck up kind of rejected but also just like overly mothered i don't know it's super weird hmm. yeah we'll dive into it together no, yeah. this, this adds to just the enigma of bruno man like i think he's a very very like he's a movie character that i think people should be talking about like they talk about norman bates um yeah absolutely oh my god he's a fantastic yeah. character with so much depth and uh yeah, I'll repeat myself. Enigmatic. Enigmatic character. Um, oh, man. Who, who's the actor that plays him? I feel like he's... Like, I was I was literally looking that up right now. Uh, Robert Walker. 
Never heard of him, right? Do you know who Robert Walker is? I'm sure people in the 50s did, but I don't. Uh, he's on a bunch of movies from the same time, so <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, yeah, I, I thought the performance was great. Um, fucking hell, man. Uh, this, is, this has been awesome. Yeah, love this movie. Um, it was probably... I, I can see why they used it as a prequel to, to Snakes on a Plane. Um, mm. It starts with Strangers on a Train. How do you take it to another level? Um, it's the natural evolution, really. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is this is a movie that even though I've all I've only seen it twice, I feel like I would sit down and watch it with anyone who wanted to anytime. Um, I did feel I had one note. I want to know if you felt the same. Okay. I thought for such a serious movie, the third act had a real tone problem. Um, it, you think it's a little too like action movie heroics kind of vibe? I thought it was like a little too madcap. You know, like we have the goofy detectives okay. um, that are also like kind of cracking jokes about the whole situation, and uh, then we have like this like bonkers carousel fight. You know, like um, <laughs> and. I've got, I've got a couple notes about that, but go ahead. And so I don't know. To me, the, the the movie was so sinister the whole way through, and I thought that there was uh, uh, way too much levity in the finale. Even though it was a great sequence, you know, like all of this stuff I'm talking about, the detectives chasing guy, the big showdown at the carousel, all of that is is really well done. But it almost feels like it's from a different movie after they finish the tennis game. Yeah. I feel like this was just like the all the tension coming to a head, mm-hmm. but it's 1951. We don't really know how to develop that yeah. in the same <laughs> tone as what we've established throughout sure, the rest of the sure, film. Yeah, <laughs> um, it feels like a little bit of an action climax, but I don't really hate it for that i I, i'm not saying you do but i don't hate it but i i would have liked it to be different i'd agree with you on the action movie climax very much so i gotta say man we're on the carousel and (laughs) the carousel we first of all this is terrible we accidentally shoot the operator and he (laughs) falls over on the lever and now the carousel is going <laughs> super fast and there's a kid a little kid just like on one of the horses on the carousel it's just like wow now this ride is fun yeah. and like <laughs> he's loving this carousel scene guy and bruno are fighting and the kid is like okay he just starts punching <laughs> bruno that was so awesome <laughs> something about that scene just made me think like Movies are fucking cool and good. Yeah. Like movie, <laughs> movies rock, and this this moment right here is making me realize that. I love that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! <laughs> that made me so goddamn happy. Hell like, yeah. cinema rules, and here's why. Here's one of many examples why. It goes back to before any of our parents were born. <laughs> fucking rules. Yes. Man. I'm down with that. Again, it's not that I disliked the scene. It's just that I disliked the tone for this movie. But, like, 
Yeah. When that happy okay. ass kid in the middle of this climactic brawl just starts swinging on the bad guy. I gotta agree with you. That was so fucking awesome. <laughs> and then when he gets chucked off the, he gets yeeted, as the kids say. Uh, and then guy saves sure him do. at the last second. It was awesome. Bruno's just like, fuck this child, and throws him as hard as he can. Yeet. <laughs> But we don't talk about Bruno. No, oh, no, we no. don't. We do not talk about Bruno. I saw that movie Wow, this recently. is so modern. Yeah. Hey, we should talk about it on Patreon oh, sometime. Oh, shit, yeah, I'll talk about Encanto. I've got some hot takes. Yeah. got some hot takes for Encanto. Hell yeah, Patreon only, though. Hey. Hmm. Sucks to be you if you're not on there already. <laughs> uh you ready to gimmick it up, my guy? I am, man. I am. What's uh, what's your what's your uh, your no chill moment? My favorite moment of no chill was the Bruno following scene at the fair, and he's stalking a guy's soon-to-be ex-wife, mm-hmm. and a kid walks up to him with like a little toy revolver and goes <laughs> bang, 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 <laughs> and he's got a cigarette because you know it's the fifties. He's got a cigarette. He just looks at him, pops his balloon with a cigarette, <laughs> and just keeps walking. Just to, like, remind you that he's a bad guy, you know, like, is why they did it. And, you know, for the record, uh, evil Abed pulled the same move in the season three finale of Community. <laughs> um, it's just such a, like, grr, I'm, I, I love when the bad guys go, I'm so bad. You know, they just, like, love being a bad guy. I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, he embraced it for sure. Uh, what about you? Uh, mine also went to Bruno. It was just something that kept happening throughout the entire movie. Um, it was Bruno's constant, deliberate violation of social norms. Um, it just made me so <laughs> uncomfortable throughout the whole movie. The way he just kept being politely abrasive. You know, in ways that As were, well it should have. In ways that were hard to call out. I was like, Jesus, there's something fucking wrong with this guy. Everyone stop placating him. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> stop being polite to this man. Quick. Um, what's your uh, What's your favorite line, Greg? Man, I, I've got a runner-up and then I've got a clear favorite. Okay. Um, my runner-up one doesn't always have to say what one thinks. And then Barbara says, Father, I'm not a politician. <laughs> Barbara's father is a politician. I gotta say, Barbara is one of my favorite characters I've seen in the movie in a long time. Barbara she rocked. rocks. Barbara rocked. Um, but my favorite scene is Guy's new girlfriend that he's waiting to get the divorce for. She has kind of pieced together this sub this this plot that you convince this man to murder your wife and she just looks at him and says how did you get him to do it mm. that's the movie's way of telling us that she figured it out it's fucking awesome oh. it's so good she like stares through his soul in that moment absolutely a hundred percent um what you got for favorite lines i've got a runner-up um just because i thought it was so funny bruno says it at the very beginning oh i certainly admire people who do things <laughs> everyone does oh. things <laughs> what are you talking about um i i did like that one. yeah that was great um <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh barbara's dad saying 
There's no looking past that murder is at our doorstep, but I'd rather you didn't drag it into the living room, <laughs> which I thought was so fucking awesome. That was my favorite line. <laughs> oh my god, hell yeah. What do you got for uh, critic or scores, Gregoroo? Well, I it, a lot like Shutter Island, I think it's very good. And I just have a couple issues in a couple small areas, like why are you trying to win this little tennis tournament if time is of the essence <laughs> lose on purpose get on with your day and get that. there on time i never thought just, about that why it's like well i gotta win this tennis game in three sets Dude. <laughs> or otherwise i'm gonna go to the get the, the electric chair like just lose on purpose and then you're good i started out just, loving how hitchcock was using that game to build tension to slowly being like this has gone on way too fucking long <laughs> like i was so over the tennis game <laughs> you're just like oh i forgot this is how tennis works <laughs> <laughs> why could this be a different sport um but yeah i i, I like this movie a lot i gave it a 34 oh, just nice. like shutter island nice. a 34 out of 40 beautiful um i gave it a 47 out of 50 uh god damn exceedingly high marks um honestly if they cleaned up a couple of things that we've talked about uh this one had had all the makings of a perfect score for me but i think there were a couple missteps that, that knocked it down a few points but a 47 is not an insult i love this movie i'm a no. huge fan of it uh really really great uh upper 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 echelon of movies of all time for me i found something in her pocket it says Seamlessenwolf. no seamless it's like seamless you know like Seamlessen. it's it's german i think seamless wolf no seamless edit beautifully executed it's a cue <laughs> executed speaking of execution <laughs> baby we're back we're here to talk about a 2015 film that unfortunately is also on paramount plus but i've had the blu-ray for like yeah. six years now none of come over and watch it i'll watch it with you none of y'all could possibly see it on paramount plus because i know that none of y'all are subbing to it because you're all subbing to the patreon and I, I think greg would i be would i be off base if i characterized paramount plus as i don't know an enemy of the show do we want to officially pronounce <gasps> that Ooh, it's not as bad as front row joe yeah but, but what is call it an enemy of the show all right it joins the ranks of uh davis calc and front row joe was, paramount plus is an to... enemy of the show is does davis have a paramount plus subscription um oh, he's gonna get one just to yeah. piss us off <laughs> i'm gonna be so pissed uh but yeah the movie's green room folks green room holy fuck shit what a good movie um this was my pick yes for thrills not chills uh denny if you don't mind i would like to summarize please the plot. summarize That's the okay plot, sir. please everybody here uh green room is one of greg's favorite movies it is a <laughs> it's a movie from the director of a movie that we talked about during our uh per uh, not perks of big flyer sorry um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. The director of Blue Ruin, uh, which was the scent that 
Wait. was mentioned in the, co- the the hair dye color that was mentioned in Eternal Sunshine. The director took inspiration from that color, made a movie called Blue Ruin. He's the director of Green Room. He made Blue Ruin and Green Room. Fuck this guy. You can't have that many colors followed by similar sounding words in your movie titles. Fuck him. Jeremy Saulnier will not be denied. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> this guy rules. He makes good movies that are very big downers no he's out of control he's a menace he must be stopped (laughs) if you say so green room is a story about a punk band that is on tour they are running out of money running out of gas they're siphoning gas to uh put gas into their van to just continue this tour they're out of um the dc area but they're in seattle right now doing punk shows just trying to make ends meet and they're about to call it quits when somebody that they're staying the night with says they have a cousin who uh works at a local music venue a little bit closer to portland it's the backwoods pacific northwest and this is a white supremacist nazi music venue we were told they were just a little conservative (laughs) They we <laughs> that's right. Uh, they go, they get their money, they do their show, and when they come back to their green room, they discover that one of the band members of a different band that was headlining the show has murdered a woman. And things just escalate, realistically escalate, and just we're not holding you we're not trapping you here but you are staying here we're not imprisoning you but we're keeping you here they just want to talk to the police they just want to get out of there they swear to god they didn't see anything things escalate to violence though and the nazi group realizes they have to just kill these kids kill this band and just make this go away in a believable manner and it's up to them to survive escape the room escape the building escape down the road somehow just try to survive or not who gives a fuck take some of them down with me um i have a lot of a lot a lot of love for this movie i think it's visceral grotesque gruesome real raw fucking hell like i think this is one of the coolest movies ever made i describe it as a perfect thriller i think the genre is also a little bit of survival horror more than a little bit um but yeah this (laughs) will they get out of the this nazi club with their lives will any of them make it watch it and find out please watch it watch this movie it's so good uh denny what's your relationship with green room greg has been telling me to watch it for years and lots of people have uh that's my whole relationship with it this was my first time ever watching it mm-hmm. how was that again was not in the mood for any of these movies this week um green room is undeniably good i do need to rip this band-aid off I didn't love it as much as you do. Um, okay. I, I had some issues with it, and the the absolute last thing I ever want to do is yuck your yum or, or shit on your parade. Um, I, I did have some issues. Um, I liked it a lot, though. It's a very, very good movie. It's it's 
it's an incredible movie to me i would i would say like i agree with you it's undeniably good it's very hard to be in the mood to watch this one yeah the violence that's portrayed is so real that it's just this tension that you're i just feel like naturally you're gonna reject yeah your mind and your body are going to just push this out. Like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. I feel so uncomfortable with how real this violence is. Why am I watching this movie? Uh, but I've like, I've found a few moments in life that I've just been in the mood for this exact kind of thing. Yeah. And hopefully that's you. Hopefully as a listener, you're like, you watch this in the right mindset, but it is a very, raw film that leaves you feeling just so I don't know maybe jaded or just like kind of this this sort of emptiness of real violence and this is accomplished by like we've discussed in with Ansandi with Denny Villeneuve's films it's just like a hatred of violence this movie is not glorifying violence in any way, but it is showing it in such a real way that you feel like maybe it is. And I'll I'll tell you it's definitely not, but god damn if it doesn't <laughs> come close. If that doesn't help <laughs> that doesn't help. That doesn't help it soften the blow in any way. Yeah. Um, and you know, for what it's worth, I've never heard a negative review of this movie. I've never heard anyone who doesn't like it. Um I think this is what's interesting about it to me is I'm like, I feel like this is a movie in my genre that was made with your taste in mind. Um, uh-huh. Like if if I if you had not seen this nice. and I wanted to convince you that like thriller horrors were cool, this is what I would tell you to watch. You know, like no, knowing what you mm-hmm. like. Um, so in that way, maybe it's like the perfect movies for win movie. You know, <laughs> like that it's uh, mm-hmm. it gets, gets a little something for both of us. Um, I think for whatever reason, I didn't connect with it on the deeper level that you did. And I think most people, uh, most people connected with it more like you did. And so, um, maybe it's operator error, you know, maybe I watched it wrong. I don't know, (laughs) but, um, it's, I wouldn't say you watched it wrong. Like, like I said, it's just, it's a mindset that's very, very hard to get into. And especially with, you know, how you've described, your ideal (laughs) method of watching movies the kind of movies you seek out this seems like the opposite of something you would seek out Mm -hmm. i I don't see you particularly being in the mood for this movie very often yeah i Um, I think that's why it took me so long to watch despite like so many people telling me it's good because i like watched a trailer and i was like "Mm, not really my cup of tea i don't think mm -hmm. but i liked it I, i i'm I'm talking about it like I didn't like the movie. I liked it a lot. I have yeah. a positive review for it. I just, you loved it. You know, like I, you, you, yeah. you were enchanted by this movie, and and I, I wasn't really. It's like I fully understand where you're coming from, and I'm not here to convince you otherwise. Sure. I want to hear you. I'm, gush. I want to. <laughs> uh, like I, I just want to explain my perspective yeah. and kind of hear about what you did like about it um yeah i i want to i i guess i'll start by just we'll start we've already started yeah. <laughs> i'll 
That was your opening I'll statement. Let... This is your <laughs> the, the meat and potatoes. Now to, to begin, uh, <laughs> why I think and why I've called this movie a perfect thriller, um, and why I picked it for this episode. I had a couple episodes that I wanted to pick this in. Uh, I really want to give a really quick shout out to Anton Yelchin. He is Pat. He is the kind of the protagonist of this film. Um, he's an actor that passed away in 2016. Um, tragically, like there was a freak accident with his car where he just got crushed into a wall and it was horrific and one of the most terrible things uh, that happened to an actor that I really love. Um, he His last feature was in Thoroughbreds that I mentioned in our Patreon episode. Um, he had a brief role there. That movie came out after his passing. Um, I don't know. I just think this is a special performance by him. I think he's a special actor that was destined for much better things if given the opportunity, but life didn't give him that, unfortunately. Um... I'm going to feel really yeah. bad about some of my critiques of this movie after that. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't like his performance. It was one of my biggest problems with the movie. I could not I, stand I it. really loved it. I feel like a lot of his dialogue was... Well, he if you don't know, he, he plays Chekhov in like the newest uh, Star Trek movies. Um, so like, he's getting... like He was making the foundation of like a really stellar acting career and this is like his a24 horror entry into his career this is an early a24 film we're going to talk about a lot of those for spooky season yeah we are stay tuned um so yeah why i think this is a perfect thriller i think to have a really good thriller there's got to be this very accessible entry point of relatability You've got to be able to jump in and say, I could see this really happening. And this movie does such a good job of just having a natural and believable descent into this yes, nightmare. Absolutely. There's there's a shocking, inciting incident. Characters react in a manner that you would expect them to react and expect humans to react. It's like snap judgments are made very fast and this movie is just like what happens what what's happened has happened and now we're dealing with the consequences and they'll it tells you that time and time again like well shit because of your because of your fuck up decision now this is how we have to deal with it and you're just constantly left with this feeling like we could have done something a little different we could have smoothed smoothed this over like we could have walked away a little bit more cleanly here, but it's just not how this story played out, yeah. and it's a hundred percent believable. Um, the means of terror and retaliation to that terror are reasonably accessible. Like we're using, we're tearing light bulbs out of the ceiling and using those as weapons, and hand-to-hand -hand combat displayed in this movie feels so real and just like adrenaline filled and just like raw like a, a person that's not 
accustomed to violence. This is how they would do violence. And, oh my god, like, to spoil the ending, I guess, our heroes kind of win in the end. There are survivors here, and it doesn't feel like a deus ex machina in, in any way. No, it doesn't yeah, feel triumphant. And it also doesn't feel triumphant, right? <laughs> like it just so many feels like they love, right? <laughs> like yeah, like there's there's so much loss that you don't feel a sense of victory, even though they did survive. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. All right, I got <laughs> very descriptive, very emotional. Hell yeah, so. man. Hell yeah. What do you what do you what do you think, Denny? Man, um, I think something you said that stuck out to me was this is how it would play out realistically, and I think that really helped them from a from a writing perspective because this is something so hard about a thriller and a you know anything that's survival based is the characters will lose our sympathy if they make choices we wouldn't make, right? Like we we won't care what mm-hmm. happens to them. But a lot of the time for the movie to happen, you need the characters to be kind of dumb, you know, like you need them to make some bad choices so the movie can keep going. And from a screenwriting perspective, it's a hard line to walk. Um, And uh, this movie was the only time where I felt like I saw them kind of bungle the situation, but didn't lose sympathy for them because I was like. I would have fucked it up, you know, (laughs) like if I was just what else? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what else could they have done here? Yeah, like, it, it, it was a really, really nice situation that they created with the realism of it all, that they could have the characters make bad choices, but they would have me say, it's not like I would have done any better, I'm still rooting for them. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, and even then it's like, do I think I would have thought to use the light tubes as weapons? No, but wrestling taught me I should. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, Cousin Maybe is also watch wrestling. Yes. <laughs> Um, this movie made me hate, 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 hate typecasting in ways I haven't before because I realized it robbed me of decades of Patrick Stewart being one of the best villains I've ever seen in my life. Like, holy shit. Evil mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart was something to behold, man. Like, he gave a special performance in this movie. And despite being, like, lovable Captain Picard who hangs out with Ian McKellen and posts funny pictures of them having a bromance... Um, I just immediately bought him as like a stone cold, like awful, evil Nazi who also had balls of steel and was balls of steel and was the man in charge. Like, oh man, um, loved his performance. I really wish it's like in Total Recall when we got to see like thirty seconds of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a bad guy. That I'm like, oh we've been robbed you know <laughs> like we've been <laughs> robbed of some really good stuff this this could have happened more if it weren't for marketing <laughs> you know? like fuck. Mm-hmm. no i love that absolutely and we accidentally we do this all the time where we accidentally get some running threads here just like shutter island we get some n words with a hard r Ooh. oops Patrick Stewart hits those R's pretty hard twice. So For what it's worth, yikes. it's not like Tarantino but... <laughs> saying it just to say it. It's like, yeah, exactly. dude, this guy's like a literal Nazi. You know the character says slurs. You know? <laughs> like it's yeah. like it's not like done for fun. It's done to make him more hateable, which I'm like Yeah. I I, I don't I don't personally have a problem with use of language with language like that 
for artistic purposes you know like if, you, yeah. if you're saying it to hurt someone that's very different but if you're if you're saying it to capture something real a real phenomenon that does happen in the world in an artistic performance that's not a sound the alarms thing for me you know like it's still jarring to hear but like uh, it's just not something that really upsets me versus yeah. using it for a shock laugh get the fuck out of town Shaun of the dead um but you know yeah using it to, to make a nazi more hateable i'm like yeah that's 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 what slurs are for right yeah exactly uh yeah yeah a, a guy saying this isn't a party it's a movement what did you think he was gonna say yeah right like oh man Woo. Woo. Fucking i i nazis. will i will say fucking nazis um I know you. I kind of want to hear what you have to say about Anton Yelkin's performance and why you weren't really a big fan of it. I thought that he was so unlikable and annoying and whiny and contrived that even the movie seemed to know it because people were constantly telling him to shut the fuck up with his hero moments. Um, you kept seeing him go for these thriller tropes and people being like stop um but it wasn't enough to make me feel like they were doing the performance that bothered me on purpose um it was he was hard to root for for me man i found him just very unlikable and kind of pathetic in, in his role i i could not stand him and it really took the movie down quite a few notches for me i feel like the character is a little bit pathetic though in a sense like it seems like he's never able to really voice what he's really thinking he just feels a little bit out of his element yeah even before shit goes bad like he's i don't know i think it's a good performance of an unlikable character and he's trying to have his hero moments and while his ideals do kind of ring true and ultimately like resolve in a positive manner for him and like what he says actually kind of works i i don't think he's played to be like a super likable hero the whole time yeah but he's just the bass player in this shitty little traveling punk band that doesn't have a social media account um but i mean that doesn't yeah go ahead i shouldn't like the nazis more than the protagonist even if that's what you're going for you know like really in wrestling uh in wrestling they call it go away heat where it's like hey you're a bad guy or whatever you want to get booed uh but it's like no me booing you isn't me wanting to watch more it's me wanting to change the channel i want you to not be on the tv um i don't know i just something about him rubbed me super the wrong way and i kind of saw what they were going for but like he needed to be less actually annoying for that to work for me. I, I, I thought he was so... In a movie that was so raw and real, I thought his character was constantly corny. Um, like, broke my immersion in the movie at multiple points and just had me, like, roll hmm. my eyes at his dialogue and delivery of it. Okay. It hurts my feelings, but well, you're you're allowed. Your opinion's not. <laughs> you're allowed to have that. Your opinion's not less valid because I think this. You know, I'm not trying to like shut you mm. down. I'm saying like I don't I don't like being contrarian and like on this podcast we like liking things and I love seeing you like this movie this much. Um, 
and I would be fully willing to rewatch it because I know I was I was not in a good mood when I watched this movie, but like that's just how it struck me. It annoyed the piss out of me, man. Like, and it, it just really for a movie that had so much going for it. To me, the protagonist was botched really hard, and that that's that's a that's a pretty big no no. Okay, sorry, but hey. Man. What do you think of my second favorite actor in this movie? Macon Blair. He's the shorter dude. He's kind of managing the situation as well as he can. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he's got the kind of stubbly beard. Yeah. Gets his red laces. He is the star yeah, Worm, of Blue Room that I mentioned man. earlier. He's the... No, Worm is, the... Worm is the guy that stabbed the girl in the head. Oh, shit. I got confused. He, he, he plays, I think it's Craig or something like yeah. that. Uh He's the one power washing all the blood at the end. Oh, okay, Make, uh, Macon Blair that, gets the the red laces. Yeah, he had, and he's like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. He had he, kind that eyes. was his kind of turn. He, for for being a Nazi, it was hard to hate a man with such kind eyes. He was a good one to pick for the redemption arc. I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. He was, <laughs> he was one of the good parts of. Um, I care a lot. So <laughs> that, that movie had a good part. Um, <laughs> it was him. Uh, yeah, I really like that actor a lot. I want to. I want to see him do more. He was great. And man. then we've got it. We've got a uh, David Harbor esque <laughs> character, <laughs> Eric Edelstein, playing. Um, was it Big Dave? Yeah, he was like Davey... Justin. Justin was the guy's name. Yeah, he was David Harbour meets uh, Frankie Stacone from Boy Meets World. Like a perfect hybrid of the two. I loved everything he said. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a great character. Yeah. This gun only has five cartridges because they're big as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Which, on that note, something I loved about this movie finally a movie that counts the bullets for me i don't know if you do this but when someone has a revolver i start counting one two three four five six to see if uh the movie paid attention to how many bullets they would have had this movie is constantly letting you know how many bullets are in which gun you know like that was just yeah. such a nice touch that was really cool oh, it was so awesome he's like no this one you th he tells them it doesn't have six it only has five because they're so big they're gonna fucking blow your head off yeah. like it's such a it's such a low-key kind of badass moment yeah. from him uh and i loved and then he oh he just gets his uh, uh, violence gets done oh, to him boy does it um no and then like later in the movie they're very clear too they're like this gun has three shots in it this one has two you know like they just like mm -hmm. the characters have bullets as limited resources which i thought again for a movie that uh thrives on its realism that was a really really smart thing to include because like that's something you would really have to worry about if you were in that situation mm -hmm. like i want to get that gun but also i need to know how many shots it has yeah exactly yeah um I know that you dock a point if the dog dies. What's the protocol if a dog kills someone? Um, no protocol. Depends on the mood. Yeah, It's all vibes. <laughs> um. I was shocked that the dog lived because they told us it was going to die. The dog made it to the end of the movie. I was happy for you. Yeah, the guns were empty, so we couldn't kill the dog, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Deus Ex Machina. De Deus Ex Dogina. 
Ah. Ah. Just want to cuddle its deceased uh, handler. Ugh. Man. Fucking Nazis. Um, they mumbled a lot in this movie. That kind of bothered me. Okay. I will say, this movie's biggest problem is audio balance. Yes, it was very difficult to hear a lot of this movie. You have to watch this movie with subtitles, otherwise you're going to miss so many things. There's characters that are talking to each other like through a, a locked door, and you cannot hear one of the characters. Yeah. Unless you crank it up, but if you crank it up, then the thrash metal and the shotgun <laughs> blasts are way too loud yeah 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 and like patrick stewart's really talking kind of slow and mumbled it just it's super low-key so watching this with subtitles is almost mandatory yeah i would say um <laughs> i i do appreciate like the realism of everything carrying over to the audio but it's a movie maybe you can stretch it a little bit make some things a little bit more balanced dude I've, I've said it before and i've said it again i do not really look for a lot of realism in my movies i've got i've got reality in abundance i'm totally fine with departing it for two hours to watch a movie <laughs> like i i don't need that i know that kind of stuff bothers a lot of people and it's just not how i watch movies i'm like totally fine with shit being unrealistic <laughs> it's totally cool fair enough <sighs> man i think i've said everything i need to say cool how about you dude i'm good I, again I, I i feel like i feel like i'm giving off a negative energy but it's not because of the movie it's because i feel so bad for disappointing you by not loving it as much as you do <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's the it's the sadness i feel over not being able to join you in something you're so enthusiastic about because i love seeing you this excited about movies man it definitely got better on second watches, but I'm not about to like make you watch it for a second time. Dude, I, if that I makes would sense. absolutely watch this movie again. Like that's that's how much I liked it. I really liked it. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I think it's a really, really, really good movie that had some problems that took it down to a strong entry in the thriller genre for me, as opposed to like an all timer, which you know, like it okay. could have been. You know, like it really could have been. Um, but I, I it, it just became a really good thriller to me instead of something that was transcendent. Good enough for me. Yeah. All right, Denny. What is your favorite moment of No Chill for Green Room? Let's see. My moment of No Chill for Green Room was <laughs> dragging a limp corpse by a knife in its head to prove that there's enough blood. <laughs> no, like... she's fucking dead yeah. you see <laughs> to prove that there was blood you fucking i was just like man she, she's dead we, we didn't need you to do that that was a man with no chill in that moment and i respected it that that was worm that character was worm uh, and he had he had no fucking chill yes <laughs> your set was really hard what was the second to last song you played that song's fucking hard. That's the one I did her to. Oh my god. <laughs> just lifeless, murderous eyes. Just, oh, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it suck to have uh, your cult name be something like Worm? Like, you could have been With an like, E, according to the subtitles. Man, I didn't watch it with subs, but like, 
I'm just like, you could have had a cool name like Helicopter Kill or something. You, you Like Murder Chainsaw Guy, but you had to be named Worm. <laughs> Joined a cult just to be named Worm. What a bummer. It's not a cult, it's a movement. Um, <laughs> no, 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 it's a cult, it's bad, you shouldn't be in it. Um, uh, my favorite No Chill moment, it was that combat scene in the basement where our uh our two characters were counting the shots left in the shotgun for the enemy they're like yelling it to each other with him between them he's got three shots left now he's got two shots left and like he's in the middle of that conversation while they're counting down how many shots he has left Mm -hmm. i thought that was so fucking cool they're trying to like trick him into wasting shots oh that was a badass scene man that was badass as shit oh my god it just oh might have been the best scene in the movie he's got more buckshot in his pocket and we're just waiting for him to ditch the gun so we can find oh god damn that was so cool that was a moment it's so tense when the characters were much smarter than i would have been i never would have thought to like trick him into wasting his ammo Dude, when she like comes out of the couch with her box cutter oh. silently, you're oh. just like, "Holy that was fuck, dude!" Kick ass, man. That was a movie <laughs> moment right there. I love that. That was a movie magic moment. Yeah, where you're just like, "This feels like a a movie hero moment that is completely believable." Yeah, <laughs> like I believe that this would actually happen. Oh, absolutely! And it, it feels so good. It's totally earned. Um, what's your favorite line from Green Room? I'll give a runner-up to Nazi punks, Nazi pucks, Nazi pugs. Fuck off, <laughs> fuck Nazi punks. Uh, that was cathartic to hear. Um, but I'm gonna say uh, it's a simple line, but it's just the delivery and the context. It's Patrick Stewart saying, "We're not coming apart." Um, just there was like something so badass about seeing him maintain his composure first and foremost in such a fucked up situation um it was definitely like uh you know like you'll hate a villain more if they give you a reason to respect them um and it was like you don't want to respect this guy because he's like a nazi piece of shit murderer and yet like you can't deny that he's incredibly cool-headed and a really good leader under distress you know like uh, you gotta Mm -hmm. give him that and it's like god i want to just say fuck off but fuck you're you're good at what you do you shouldn't be doing what you do but if you're gonna do it you're doing it right you know (laughs) like you Mm -hmm. such a begrudging respect what about you and then like at the end even right spoilers right before they kill him Mm -hmm. they say you were so scary at night and look at you now it's just like in the cold light of day i just oh my god i love that they just like morning comes and it's just like any other day they even cut back to another character vacuuming his house like he said he was going to do it's just like this was just another night that passed on and in the in the daylight you're just an old sad man you're not scary anymore we have the guns we have the power you're just another fucking piece of shit yeah oh that 
the ending scenes were so satisfying. Um, the way he's dressed is doing? just so like friendly dad at the end too. You know, like in the light of day, he just looks like a regular guy when he seemed like just like a steel wall of power the rest of the movie. Exactly. Oh, God, they visually communicate everything so well. Yeah. God damn. Um, favorite line. Favorite line. It's a uh, cousin maybe saying. If you back out now, I'm telling him you're Jewish. <laughs> right before the the song that you mentioned, non Nazi punks, fuck off. She says, if you don't do it now, this was your idea. I'm telling him you're Jewish. <laughs> so goddamn funny. No, that was awesome. Um, what's your critic or score, Greg? Well. I've said it once already. I think this is the perfect thriller. I understand you didn't love it as much as I do, but I think that's okay. I think this has... I think I'm more open to be in the mindset of loving this movie. Mm -hmm. This movie is for a very, very specific, dark, violent kind of mood that I find myself more willing to be into at the moment sure. um it's one of it's an early a24 film that i think is one of their absolute best again more on that later uh i gave this one a 37 out of 40 Ooh, very 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 high marks from gregory mm -hmm. um i love when you love movies man it makes me so happy um because I think, like, honestly, I think they have to work harder for you to love them, you know, <laughs> like, than, than for me to love them. And I, I love when something works hard enough to earn your love, man. It's just, like, it's just, it's got to be, like, consistent and honest and, like, establish a tone, stay there, and just, ah, fuck, create an identity and just be there i don't know it doesn't revel in violence mm -hmm. as violent as this movie is it's like this movie feels disgusted with its own violence and that's the mood it's going for and it conveys that so well to me so yeah. that's that's kind of where i land on it i think i'm starting to realize correct me if i'm wrong i think you get really excited by grit and i get really excited by rose tintedness would you agree with me on that I would definitely agree with yeah, you on that. Yeah. I think that's why you kind of go for the yowza wowza picture oh, yeah, shows. But again, not insulting it. No, like, tent my world. We, we just we just praise strangers on the train. Like the transatlantic accent kind of era. Like you'll you'll definitely go heavy for a movie that's like just really selling this mood and this vibe of love and empathy and understanding and not just like lovey-dovey kind of head in the clouds kind of feel yeah. but like you'll <laughs> I, I i know you've got a real grounding and realism but i kind of like exploring sometimes the darker depths of that yeah. sort of realism whereas you i don't know you it's not rose tinted, but it is a very grounded kind of drawing towards rose tinted oh, yeah. kind of movies. Uh, I've got no problem saying like the primary function of a movie for me is escapism. Like I, I like to yeah. escape reality with movies. 
and I feel like you like to use movies to more fully embrace reality, like the 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 ugly and the beautiful. You know, like that's that seems to be more more your speed. And I got nothing but respect for it either. Like every time I watch what I would call a Greg movie, I'm like, God damn, it was incredible. Uh, but it's a Greg movie, yeah. not a Denny movie. You know, <laughs> it's it's not your favorite, but you appreciate it for what oh, it is, dude. and that's that's all I ask. A, a good movie is just a good movie, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad we have different tastes because it exposes me to stuff I would never watch just because I'd be like, oh, looks too gritty. I wanna I wanna see some yowza wowza. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like at the end of the day, we're just like dissecting the differences of. Um, what draws us to certain things and it's like both are extremely high quality and it's just a matter of like minor differences in taste so uh, i'll i'll explore that all week long honestly a movie review is inherently subjective and i think that's what makes it so much fun you know (laughs) like that's that's what makes Mm -hmm. it a blast is that you and i can talk for hours about uh different takes on the same exact thing right like that's that's why we have a podcast that's what i love about it man Mm-hmm. Um, with that in mind, uh, I gave it a 39 out of 50. Um, if I'm reading the signs and making the scorecards, this was a very exceptional thriller, but didn't quite hit all timer territory for me. It just kind of it stayed contained in its own genre, is where I would put it. But that's as good as it could possibly be while staying within its genre. I would say. Um, Fair enough, and I'm glad you maybe didn't meet me halfway but gave an honest and true kind of explanation for everything so dude and i'll i'll even like i'm like you didn't shortchange it at all i might have had some negativity bias i was not in a good mood when i watched any of these movies i haven't been in a good mood for like weeks now (laughs) i'm just going through some shit (laughs) we like my wife and i we just didn't i watched strangers on a train while she was asleep Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was all about that but like this movie and for patreon we did sound of metal and shutter island we were just like we just don't really feel like watching it today and it today we watched green room and shutter island back to back it's just like we have to Eat some ice cream guys lift the mood <laughs> jesus i watched i watched bob's burgers after green room because i was like this is one of the only movies that i love it so much but I still need like a mental cleanser <laughs> yeah. after it. I like had to try to sleep after watching Green Room. I watched it on a Tuesday night and I was like, God, fuck. <laughs> Jesus. It was so heavy. Show me Sonic the Hedgehog or some <laughs> shit. Like, Didn't we make this podcast to have some fucking fun? <laughs> not during October, bitch. Um, hey, speaking of October. We gotta do the gimmick. We gotta do the gimmick. Oh, yeah. What's, Before we get to what's, October. What's the best little movie for when you want thrills, not chills, Greg? The best movie for when you want thrills, not chills. I'm going to have to stick with Green Room, honestly. Yeah, I thought you would. Uh, the, I, I call it the perfect thriller, and I stand by that. I I, I want to give a lot of credit to Strangers on the Train, mm-hmm. though. Like, I think if you're not like in a mood for a scary movie but you just like kind of want a psychologically kind of twisted sort of journey Mm -hmm. and like cool narrative strangers on a train is your jam but for me that's green room but you need to be in a very specific mood for it uh what say you 
Um, I'll, I'll flip you and go uh, Strangers on a Train is my pick. And Hell yeah. I think our picks have a lot to do with our personal tastes this week. You know, like I think we both picked we both picked our own pick and we picked those movies for a reason because that's what we like. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of those times where like we both picked our own picks, but the audience pick sure, Shutter I Island. Won. You're up here, man. Like yeah, this, this is a great good, job, good everybody. Good week of movies, man. Really good week of movies. I, I, I said last week this was going to be an absolute banger, and I loved all three of these films in their own ways. They're like they're all thriller movies in very different ways, and I just love them all for their each of their individual reasons. I just I just love Green Room a little bit more for my own very personal taste. Now that I think about it, uh, but every, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you every, off. Every everything hit perfectly yeah. though this was a perfect episode in terms of all three movies scratch an exact itch yeah so that's all i have no we really took a tour of the genre i didn't realize it till now but these this was kind of a good sampler platter of of different kinds of thrillers i would say this week i'm happy with that mm-hmm. and we're gonna take another tour next week as we get into the spooky side of spooky season now that we're all primed with our thrills we're ready for some chills. <laughs> oh my god. He's got the voice. He's got the voice of Halloween. <sighs> Halloween's voice exists in Denny. I'm touched. I'm, I'm touched that you would say that. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, this this episode is coming out on the 23rd. The next episode is September 30th. That's that basically counts. October, My right? Halloween decorations are going up next weekend. We're going to count it. Hell fuck yeah, dude. So, Danny. Yes, Greg. Next week. What are we doing? I am so, so excited for next week. Um, there will be no poll because all three movies have already been picked. Greg didn't have a pick. I didn't have a pick. The audience didn't have a pick. Only two people got picks this week, and it was Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. We are doing Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness next week. That's right. A whole trilogy in one fucking episode to get it spooky and kooky all in one place, brother. Oh my god, I'm getting chills. I'm so excited for next week, man. We've never done anything like this. I'm so ready, dude. Movies for when the dead are evil is next mm. week's episode. Mm. Sorry you guys can't vote in a poll, but goddamn, you can't deny an all-timer trilogy, especially in the middle of spooky season. So, we're here. We're going to deliver. And, uh, yeah, the the day before last episode released was my birthday, and the world's best podcast partner, Denny Taylor, Aww. Denny the Talent Taylor, got me all three movies, Evil Dead 1 and 2, and Army of Darkness on Blu-ray. That was my birthday gift. I could not be happier. I wanted you to I'm going to watch all style. of these. Oh, my God. I'm enjoying them in style. Spades of style. Is that a thing? I don't know. Sure. Who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready for this. Dude, I think Spooky Season have has gotten off to a terrific start. I agree. <sighs> Denny. I'm scared. I'm thrilled even. The only thing more thrilling to me than spooky season would be a thrilling catchphrase. A thrilling catchphrase. Well, 
For Greg Work, the true grit of reality, Johnson. I'm Denny, the rose tent my world. Keep me safe from my trouble and pain, Taylor. And this has been Spookies for Win. We already Ooh. scared you, Win. But you know what we didn't scare you? What's my cage again? Ooh! <laughs>